We started a series two weeks ago, and the series was called what? The Modern Family. So what we're digging into is we're looking at what our modern family looks like today, and we're talking about what the modern family should look like. We're talking about five areas that I believe are some of the five biggest areas that we see in the home and in the family today. Let me give them to you. The first one is time. The second one is kids. Anybody got kids? The third one is money. The fourth one is marriage. And the last one is sex. Now, let me ask the question. How many of y'all have faced some type of challenge in your family with one of those five topics? I would think that would be 100% of hands, but not every. But some of y'all need to learn how to raise your hand a little bit in church. Listen, here's the deal. In the modern family, those are probably the five biggest issues. So week one, I talked about time. And we talked about time in the family. And I gave you some stories. And my points were that time, pre- family time is precious. Amen? Amen? Family time is necessary. And family time should be spent honoring God. And it should not be spent dishonoring God. Somebody give me an amen. amen. Last week we talked about, uh, what did we talk about last week? For Mother's Day. How many of y'all had a good Mother's Day? For Mother's Day, we talked about kids and we talked about how in our society, in our culture, in the modern family, kids are no longer taught to honor, to obey, and to be disciplined. Kids are taught and we're trained and what we think about with our kids is what makes them happy. We don't want to hurt their feelings and everyone gets a trophy and all of those kind of things, and those mentalities, and those mindsets, and instead of spanking our kids, and disciplining our kids, and, and all of the things that we should be doing with our kids, we are literally destroying our culture by not disciplining our kids. That's what we talked about last week. So this week, I'm really excited. Listen, the, the purpose and the goal of this series is for us as godly people, as Christ-following people, to wake up to what's going on in our culture and to set a new standard for the modern family, to take a stand where our culture is saying we should go this way, Jesus is saying we should go this way. And the purpose of this series is to take a stand and say, it doesn't matter where culture goes, we're going with the Lord. Somebody say amen. So I wanna read one more time the foundational scripture of this series. It's in 2 Timothy chapter three, verses one through five. And this is a perfect picture of honestly where our culture and where our families are headed And it's also a perfect picture of what we want to stay away from. And here's what it says, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. This is Paul speaking or writing. And he says, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times, for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. Does that sound like people today? They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends and be reckless, puffed up with pride, love pleasure rather than God, and they will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. Then it ends with this. Stay away from people like that. Stay away from people like that. Again, this is what we're trying to keep from happening in our families and in our church. We know, Scripture tells us, in our world, that things are going to progressively get more and more and more evil. And so there's a temptation because we live in this world to allow our families and to allow our kids and to allow our TV shows and to allow our music and to allow the things that happen in our home to get more and more and more evil. 
And so what the Bible tells us to do is to take a stand against such things. Somebody say amen. amen. So we're about to dive into one of the most sensitive topics in the church world. This is one of the biggest causes of divorce. One of the biggest fights that you get into with your spouse. One of the things that's stolen most in our culture. And the Bible says it is the love of this thing. It is the love of this thing that is the root of all types of evil. Help me out. What are we talking about? Money. Ooh, we're talking about money. Some people don't like it when pastor preaches about money. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say a prayer for you and for me. <laughs> and then we're going to dive in. All right, would y'all join me? Hey, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you pray, Lord, open my ears to what I need to hear? Can you do that? Will you do that? And I'm going to say, Lord, open my mouth to what I need to speak. And if I don't need to speak it, could you please shut me up? All right. Hey, let's do that. Heavenly Father, I come to you right now. God, you've called your people to be stewards and you've asked us to be good stewards. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, as we dive into this topic, God, that I pray that my words would be your words, that your Holy Spirit would speak through me. Father, I pray that you would open up our ears to allow us to hear what it is that we need to hear to be good stewards with what you've given us. And Lord, we love you. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In your precious name I pray, amen. Now, most of the time when a preacher is preaching about money, it's all about giving and tithing, and it's an encouragement to give and to tithe. But I want to go much, much, much deeper than that this morning. In fact, I just want to talk about money in general, as it comes to God, as it comes to you, as it comes to your family, being a good steward with your money, period. Uh, and, and does the Bible literally tell us how we get blessed if we use our money? It does. I'm going to go ahead and let you know. It does. And so what I'm going to share with you is not just in your tithing, not just in your giving, but how you use your money. I'm not going to tell you what you should do with your money. I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. If you want to be blessed by God and if you want to be a good steward with what God has given you, this is what Scripture tells us that we should do with our money. How many of you are ready? Awesome. Bring it. Okay. So our goal with this message is to better understand money, the power that it has, and the role that it plays in the family, how it relates to God. Here we go. I want to give you several thoughts that I have and out of Scripture, and then we're going to dive in. Number one in your notes is this. You want to write this down because this is so good. Money makes a great tool, but it's a horrible God. Money makes a great tool, but it's a horrible God. I want to ask you a question. So this has been a controversial question in the church world for years and years and years. Here's the question. You ready? And you can raise your hand. You can keep your hand down however you want to do it. If you believe that God wants to give his people wealth and bless them financially with money, would you raise your hand? Okay, you can put your hands down. If you believe that God, you're not quite certain that God wants to bless his people with wealth and give them money, maybe you've been brought up in a, I, I used to hear deacons say, not in this church, but deacons say, God, if you'll, uh, if uh, you, uh, you grow him and we'll keep him broke or something like that. And so it's just the dumbest mentality in the world. But if you believe that maybe that, that God's people shouldn't have a lot of wealth accumulated because they should be giving away all of their money, like if that's been your mindset and is your mindset, Mindset, would you raise your hand? Okay, nobody wants to really raise their hands on that one. That's a tough one. Okay, if you would be honest and say, Pastor, I literally have no idea. I, I, I think I know where you're going, but I have no idea as far as should Christian people be wealthy or not. Would you raise your hand? Oh, wonderful. So it's a great, great, great group. Okay, you can put your hands down. Okay, so I'm going to answer that question. I'm going to answer it in a biblical way, in the best of my ability. Is it God's will for his people to be wealthy and to have money? Here we go. 
Here's how I'm going to answer it. It totally depends on what you're going to do with the money. Because there is some of God's people that I don't, but they are his people. They're saved. They've given their lives to him, but they act very stupidly with their money. And those people he does not want to give money to. But then there's people who are doing exactly what he's told us to do with our money. And so here's, here's the answer to the question. Are you ready? Scripture is very, very clear. If you're going to do what Scripture tells you to do with money, then God wants to bless you with money. And if you are not going to do what God has told you to do with money, then he doesn't want to bless you with money. Can you still make money? Yes. It's not all people that have lots of money are blessed by God. Amen? Some of them are blessed by the devil. And so let's dig into this. Man, y'all, it's quiet. And, and I want to go over Matthew, Matthew chapter 25. We see Jesus tell us this story. And I'm going I'm to give you the answer to my, the question why I answer it this way is Matthew chapter 5. We see Jesus uh, give us this story. It's called the parable of the talents. And in the story, it says that this master takes three servants. He gives the first servant five bags of silver. He gives the second servant two bags of silver. He gives the third servant one bags of silver. And he tells them, I'm going to be gone. And this is really the, the story is showing that Jesus is coming. He's given us gifts. He's going up to the Father and he's coming back to get us. And so we should be great stewards as he is gone. So he tells us this story. This master's gone. He leaves them and he wants them to bless and multiply and do good with what he's given them to. Bible says the very first one took the five bags of silver and he went and he was really smart with it and he stewarded it well and he invested it in the right things and, and he worked hard and, and the Bible says that he then got five more bags of silver so he took the five bags of silver and he made ten bags of silver with it and then the Bible says the one that got two bags of silver pretty much did the exact same thing uh, and, and the Bible actually says he gave them the amount based off of their uh, uh, what's the word there uh, based off of their abilities. So he gave one five, one two, and one one based off of their abilities. And he said, all right, go. And when I come back, then I'll, I'll check out what you've done. So the one with two bags of silver goes and he multiplies and he gets four bags of silver. So then the one with one bag of silver, one bag of silver, goes and he digs a hole in the ground. He throws the money in the ground and he hides it because he's scared that he's gonna lose some of the money. Okay? Now I want you to notice what what this master does is exactly the opposite of what our culture does. Okay, so what the master does is the master comes back and he looks at the one that had five bags and now he's got 10 bags and he just praises him. You've been faithful with a little, you're gonna get more. I'm gonna bless you with more. And then he looks at the one who had uh, two bags of silver and he multiplied and he said, hey man, you've been faithful with what you're at so I'm gonna give you more. I'm gonna bless you with more. And then he looks at the one that had one bag of silver and the guy says, hey man, I." I was scared because I didn't want to lose any of your money. And so um, I've got the one bag of silver back. And the master's like, are you kidding me? Inflation is, is went up 18% this year. You've lost money for me. You haven't gained anything. You wicked and lazy servant. Actually, he says, you wicked, lazy, and unprofitable servant. And he takes the silver from him and he casts him into outer darkness. Who does he give the silver to? Do you notice that? He takes and he gives the bag of silver to the, one, the richest person in the room. Gets the broke man's money. In our culture, what do we do? In our culture, here's what we do. We take the people that have stewarded things really well and done really well, and we take money from them, and we give it to people that don't want to do anything with their lives. Absolutely the opposite 
of what scripture says, that the master does, and what God does. Man, y'all, it is very quiet in this room. Whew. <laughs> Listen, can I ask you a question? Why would it make sense for a master, for God, to take something from the rich person who is stewarding things well and doing what God told him to do and give it to a person that is not doing what he's supposed to do? That makes absolutely no sense. And so what God does is he blesses people. And when we're faithful with what he's given us, then the Bible says that he gives back more. He takes away from the wicked, actually is what Proverbs says. He takes the wealth from the wicked and he gives it to the holy. Amen. He gives it to the righteous. Can I be honest with you, y'all? Y'all, it's real quiet. <clears throat> Truth is, money's just a tool. It's literally only a tool. People view money as evil or money is great and money is evil and money is God. It's literally a tool, y'all. Right. Yeah. Dave Ramsey always says this, money just makes you a lot more of what you already are. So if you are a broke, greedy person, if you got money, you're just gonna be a rich, greedy person. Amen? And if you are a a a, a Broke snob, you're going to be a rich snob. But if you are a broke, generous person, maybe, maybe you love to give, but you haven't stewarded the rest of your finances well. You love to give, but you waste money in other places. But if you're a broke, you know what happens when you get money? You just become a wealthy, generous person. What's inside of you, what's inside of your heart just becomes bigger and bigger with the more finances you got. Money does not typically change people. You just see it much more when they have more money. Amen? It's just a tool. Can I show you something? Listen to me. Money is a tool. This hammer is just a tool. Y'all know that you can build the building that, well, not with a hammer, but with a lot of other tools involved. You can build a house and a building using a hammer. Listen to me now. You can also use this hammer to tear out every one of these walls and all of the studs and smash through the sheetrock. It's just a tool. The hammer is not changing either way and it's not changing anything. It's the person using the hammer that decides, listen to me, this knife, it is a tool. This knife can be used to cut up a deer. This knife can be used to cut up a steak. This knife can be used to cut the sheetrock down the wall. It can be used as a good thing. Or this knife can be used to slit somebody's throat. But the knife doesn't change anything. It is me and what's going on in me that is the issue or the blessing or the problem. Money is exactly the same thing as the knife and the hammer. It is simply a tool. But what happens so many times and what scripture talks about is because we get so infatuated with this tool that it becomes our God. It makes a wonderful tool. You can do so many great things with money, but it makes a horrible God. Listen, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24 says this. It says, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. Listen to this. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And there's such a huge temptation in our culture to be enslaved to money. Amen? So again, listen to me. Money's not bad. It's the love of money. It is the lust 
of money. It is the, the drive that I have to have more money that is bad. When used the right way, money is a blessing. And when done wrong, money is a curse. Here's a thought that I want you to think about, maybe write down in your notes is this. You either learn to control your money and make it obey, or your money will control you. Learn to control your money and make it obey, or your money will control you. If you can control it, it's a great tool. If it controls you, it becomes God. I want to share with you five practical ways that we find in Scripture that you can use money as a tool to do what God has called you to do. Y'all write these down in your notes. You ready? If you got your phone, put them in your, in your notes in your phone. This is, if you want to steward God's money the way that he's called us to steward it, I want you to write these five things down. Number one, pay your tithes. Amen. I can't really get around this. I've tried so many times to get around. It's really easy to go, well, tithes was in the Old Testament. Tithes was in the Old Testament. Y'all, actually, Jesus said, I want you to give everything in the New Testament. So, I mean, if you want to make that argument, then just give everything. Uh, but listen, there's so many scriptures about tithing. In Malachi chapter 3, he talks about, uh, give, uh, he, he talks about giving your tithe, giving your first fruit, giving one-tenth of your increase. Listen to me. One-tenth of everything that you increase in your, in your finances is, little, is God's. And the Bible says that if you take that tenth, then you are robbing God. Also, listen, I just want to break something, a mindset that I think has been thrown around in the church. You, you don't get to decide where your tithe goes. I, I had a, a guy in my last church, just a cabillionaire uh, in my last church. And uh, so he gave in our church, but we had a conversation when we were at lunch one day. And I said, hey, can I ask you a question? Do you tithe? And he said, just out of curiosity, he's on my deacon team. And uh, I'm, I'm curious, do you tithe? Because you, you've, you got like 50 grand a month coming in, and I'm just asking this question because I'm curious. I'm trying to learn. He had been a pastor for like 42 years, and I'm asking the question. And he says to me, yes, I tithe. I have a, uh, I have a, uh, a mission in Mexico that I give my tithe to. And I said, okay, do you own that? And he said, yeah, I do. Okay. I said, you realize that's not your tithe. Like, you do realize that. And he was like, what? And I was like, you, you don't decide where your tithes go. Like your tithes goes to, it, it says in the Bible, to bring your tithe to the storehouse so that there will be more food for those that are, are in need here. And so it's quiet in here, but I'm bringing truth to you. So if I say, well, I'm giving, you know, I, I give tithes because I give and bless this person. And I give and bless, that is giving. That's not tithing. The tithe goes to the storehouse and, and I'm not saying this to judge anyone. I'm giving you scripture. Because if you want the blessing of tithing, you need to understand what tithing is. And tithing in is, is taking one-tenth of all of my increase and giving it over to the Lord and allowing him to decide. In our church, that would be the deacons. The deacons to decide with the leadership in the church where that time. We're going to buy this many food boxes and we're going to bless this many people. And we're going to put this amount in the benevolence fund and, and we're going to plan this for the future. Listen, that's what tithe is. Somebody say amen. amen. If we pay our tithes, God promises to bless us. If we do not, then honestly, we're robbing God and he doesn't want to bless us. You see that in scripture too. Number two in your notes is this. Give. And that can be inside or outside the church. It's not your tithe. This is your giving. So give. When you see somebody that's hungry, if you go buy them something to eat, that is giving. 
Amen? When you see a need, hey, you guys just gave $540,000 to the building of a new building. That wasn't tithes. That was giving. Where you guys went, we believe in this. This is something that we want to jump into. This is something that we want to get behind. So we're giving money to this. That was giving. When you, listen, whether inside or outside of the church, whether it's a spiritual thing or not a physical thing, God will bless you when you give. Amen. Jesus said, give and it will be given, pressed down, shaken together, and running over to make room for more. And then he said, with the amount that you give is determined the amount that gives back to you. That is huge, y'all. Somebody say give. give. Okay, number three in your notes. Y'all probably don't see this one coming. Get out of debt. Now, our church is really, really big on financial freedom and Ramsey principles. But can I tell you why? Everybody's like, oh, Dave Ramsey. Oh, I hate that guy. Oh, You know why? It's, Ramsey principles are 100% based off of the Bible. It's where he got them from is the Bible. All of his principles are straight from Scripture. Get out of debt. Can I just say from experience, you sleep a lot better when you don't have debt. I just want to be honest with you. You sleep a lot better when you don't have debt. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 7. Is this important? Is it not important? It says this, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. I text that to somebody the other day. We were having a conversation and he texted me back and said, hey, bro, you want to borrow 20 bucks? I said, you ain't about to become my, I ain't your slave, baby. No, I don't want to borrow 20 bucks. Can I say, listen to me. Some of you, the mindset of a slave is much different than the mindset of someone that's free. This is why every single time that we do small groups, we do Financial Peace University. I went through Financial Peace University about two and a half years ago. We got our family out of debt. And can I just say, it has been so much less stress in our life, sleeping so much better in our life when we don't have car payments going on. Now I drive a $2,000 car, you can tell when you look at it, and that's okay. Because I'm not paying big insurance. I'm not paying uh, car payments. I'm not paying all of that kind of stuff. But I sleep so much better. Because all of my money is not tied into paying tons and tons of interest. My money is tied into giving the things that, that need to be given, which will, will move us into uh, investing in our family's future in just a second. But the, with the exception of our home. Now, we owe money on our home. We're not there yet. We don't make that kind of money that we could pay off our home yet. But that is our next future thing, big thing. So listen, getting out of debt. You know why it's important to get out of debt? Because you sleep so much better and you can build so much better wealth. Is it important for, for God's people to build wealth? It is. Number four, invest in your family's future. I ask the question, is it okay for Christians to build wealth? Proverbs chapter 13. And Hey, can I ask you a question? If Christians don't build wealth, is anybody ever going to be able to give me a $100,000 check when I say one person needs to give $100,000? Y'all know that we had two people give over $100,000? You know, you know why? Because they, they have used the principles of God to be able to build up wealth so that when pastor says, we need this amount of money to do the next big thing, if they're behind it and God speaks to them, they can go, hey, I can be that guy. I can be that person. And my, you, know, you know what my next big goal is? One day, one day, y'all know we give out bicycles. One day, Josh Pogue is gonna be able to write the check to pay for all of the bicycles 
that we give out on a Christmas. It's probably going to be like 15 years. But one day, I'm going to be able to write the check, 45000 or whatever it is, to give out the bicycles. You know why? Because I'm not building wealth for me. I have the right attitude. I'm building wealth to bless people. I'm building wealth so that I can give when things need to be given to. If God's people don't build wealth, the, the culture around us are building wealth, and they're funding everything that's going against the things of God. And God's people need to be good stewards so that we can fund the things that are building up the things of God. Invest for your family's future. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22 says this. Good people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren, but the sinner's wealth passes to the godly. That's the scripture I used earlier. Proverbs 21 and 20 says this. The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools Spend whatever they get. Listen, if we're going to leave an inheritance to our children and our children's children, this verse says our grandchildren, the only way for us to do that is to acquire and build up some wealth. Amen? Man, it's so quiet. So after you use your money as a tool to get out of debt, after you up things like giving and, and pay your tithes, you invest in your family's future, and then you are going to like point five. You ready for point five? I better get a few amens. The last way that you can use your money as a tool, number five, enjoy some of your money. Enjoy some of your money. And the reason that this is so important, y'all, is because there are people that they live their whole lives. I got to make more money. I got to make more money. I got to make more money. I'm stingy and, 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 and I'm here. And they never enjoy any of what they've built up and what God has blessed them to be able to build up. Then they live their whole lives and their family gets grown and they never enjoyed it. Listen, that's not wise. It's not wise. Here's what Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 19 says. It is a good thing to receive wealth from God and good health to enjoy it. How many of y'all want better health? Better health to enjoy your wealth. And to enjoy your work and accept your lot in life, this is indeed a gift from God. Can I be honest with you? There's about twice a year where we dedicate to enjoying some of what we built. Some of the money that we made. We save up cash because we don't do credit cards and all that stuff. And I'm not owing anybody anything. But there's about twice a year where me and Christy decide for this past year. Y'all remember the road trip that we went on this past year? So we, it was about twice a year when the cruise industry opens back up for people like me that don't wear a mask and haven't got the, uh, the vaccine. I'm going back on a cruise. Y'all, I'm not going to lie to you. Why? Because I'm going to enjoy some of what we got with my family. It's a biblical thing. It is a godly thing. For me to take a break. You know why we do that? So we can take a break. We work hard, y'all. We want to rest some. We want to make memories with our family. We want to have some fun. It is biblical to enjoy what God blesses you with. And again, money is just a tool. It's your attitude towards money that's important. I do want to clarify because I think that you could manipulate some of the things that I'm saying. And I don't want you to. So I want to stop here and I want to say I am very anti-prosperity gospel. Okay, so what's the difference in what I'm saying and prosperity gospel? Anybody ever watch a TV preacher? Anybody ever heard one of those TV preachers like, if you give this amount of money and sow this amount of seed, God is going to bless you 362%. 
this week. You're going to double in money, and you're going to double. You ever heard them say that? Can I just say that's a load of bull? It really is. You know why? Because they're not God, and they can't force God's hand, and you can't force God's hand. And what that mentality does is it gives people the wrong attitude towards giving. Because then it makes them say, if I give, I'm going to get. And if I give, I'm going to get. And if I give, I'm going to get. And that's not how God wants us to give. So I do want to clarify because I think that you could take some of what I'm saying and think that I'm saying, if you give, you're going to get. And I don't believe that. I do believe that these are biblical principles that we live by. I do believe if I pay my tithes, then, I'm, then God's going to want to bless me with more. And down the road, he's going to show me and give me a raise and be faithful to me. I do believe that if I give, it will be given back. But I also believe that, that sometimes that we live in a broken world. And in a broken world, I can't force God's hand. And I can't force the economy. And I can't make everything happen. And stuff happens. If the Bible says that it rains on the unjust and the just. And so what I'm not telling you is if you give money, and if you pay your tithes, and if you do this, then what's going to happen is you're going to get a double blessing. What I am telling you is if you live by these principles, what you're gonna ha- what's going to happen is that you are going to be more blessed. You are. Somebody say amen. amen. So now for a couple of minutes, I want to talk about money in the family. Some things that I think are very important for you to hear with money in your family. Number one, I got a bad feeling it's going to be quiet on this one. <clears throat> Y'all ready? It's we, not me, when it comes to money. You could say it's ours and not mine. Actually, it should be we, not me, when it comes to everything. You know what the Bible says? Stay with me here. Mark chapter 10, verses 7 through 9 says this. This explains why a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife. And the two, help me out, the two are united into? Since they are no longer two, but one, let no man split apart what God has joined together. Listen, as much as some of you are not going to want to hear this, if you are married, you are no longer me. It is we. Yeah, but I make... 100% more money than she does. Or I make 100%. He makes $30,000 and I make $100,000. No, you don't. You're one. Y'all make $130,000. Lord, please help me to get through this. Listen, when Christy and I got together... (laughs) She literally got pregnant the week that we got married. Not together, married. She got pregnant the week that we got married. We've, we've, we uh, drove to Tennessee and she forgot the birth control. And um, boom, she got pregnant the week of. Well, naturally, Christy wants to stay at home with the baby. And so in order for her to stay at home with the baby, Josh has got to work a lot. I didn't have any form of education and um, pretty much the only thing that I was good at at the time was roofing houses and waiting tables. And I didn't want to roof houses. And so I waited. Uh, listen to me, y'all. I waited tables during the lunch hour at Cotton Patch. 
I waited tables at Cafe Del Rio for the dinner hour. And then after I waited tables and get off at about 10 p.m., I went to Brookshire Brothers, number 25 on Frank Street. And I stopped until about 3 o'clock in the morning uh, for my third job. And I did that for a long time. You know why I did that? Because we, everybody say we. We, we agreed that it would be best for our family for her to be at home with our baby. Can I be honest with you? Because I was bringing all of the money in, there was a temptation inside of me that made me feel like I should have more of a say-so than she did in how the money was spent. There was. And so there was a lot of times where, and you know how Christy felt about it? Honestly, she felt like when it came to money, she did not have a say-so because she didn't bring in any money. That was literally my mindset and her mindset. Totally the wrong mindsets. You know why? Can I tell you why? Because it is we and not me and everything is we are one. And so this, my mindset plus her mindset led to some pretty unhealthy conversations about money. Why? Because I thought I should have more of a say so and she should just get an allowance and I set the allowance. Y'all are judging me, but I was young. I was 19. Come on. And so we had this going on for a long time. And you know what, I, you know what finally clicked with me? What she is doing at home is way worse than what I'm doing. It may not generate an income, but I sure as heck ain't staying home with no baby. And so we had this conversation where, hey, look, I understand that you are not generating an income, but I, yeah, she could have came to me and said, you stay home and watch the baby and I'm going to work. And I've been like, no, no. So this is a, it was a wee decision for her to stay home. It was a wee decision for me to go work those jobs. She had to deal with me not being there ever because I was working all the time. It was a wee decision. So we decide where we spend our money together. We decide what's going to go where together. And if you do not do that, there will always be tension in your relationship. If you cannot get the past, uh, I had to learn just because I make more money or even all the money, I became one with Christy and together we decided how it was spent. If you cannot get past this, you will always have issues with money in your marriage. If you think for a second that you should get more of a say-so in the money, just know resentment is coming and it's gonna lead to an unhealthy marriage. Everyone say we. Not me. Okay, the last three thoughts that I want to give you. We made past the hard one. The last three thoughts that I want to give you, we're going to go over really quickly. I believe that they're very important to follow with money in your home. And let me give them to you. Ready? Write these things down. So important if you want to be a wise steward with your money. Number one, build a budget if you're married together to know where your money's going. Can I be honest and say with you that this is really hard to do at first? Just out of curiosity, oh, if you're comfortable with it, you can raise your hand. How many of you every single month or at least a couple of times a year get together and you build some kind of budget for your finances? Okay, so we got about 
20. Okay. Maybe a little over 20. I see some hands over here. Um, Build a budget for your finances. Okay, listen to me. You ready for this? In your home, there's probably one of you that is much more of a free spirit slash spender. And probably one of you that is much more of a saver slash nerd. Now, let's test. How many of you are married? Okay. How many of you would be honest and say that you are the free spirit slash spender? Oh. Okay. You can put your hands down. I knew that was coming. How many of you would be honest and say you are more of the saver slash nerd? Okay, I'm the saver slash nerd. You wouldn't think it because I like to spend money, but I'm the saver slash nerd. And so when I build a spreadsheet, y'all, you would go absolutely nuts if you could see the back of this binder. Um, I have like 17 spreadsheets that have to do with building wealth, that have to do with finances, that have to do with bills, that have to do with all of those kind of things. It's ridiculous. No, it's not. It's not ridiculous. It's smart, okay? I have a great plan and process. But listen, listen to me. Here's what you need to know. I did not realize this until I started budgeting. Here's what you need to know. If you do not tell your money what to do, then you're going to wonder where it went. (laughs) I think probably one of the greatest things that me and my wife have done together in the last three years is begin building a budget together. It used to be different. Used to, she got her check, I got my check. It was me and she, now it's we. And so about three years ago, we decided to combine everything so that we could, could do this. And we build a budget. We actually meet together before the month gets here, every month, at the end of every other month. Uh, then we, we meet together and we go, okay, this is the budget for this month. Listen, both of our checks get deposited into the same account. And we go, this is the amount of money that we have to leave in the account to cover our tithes, to cover our bills, to cover, you know, those kind of things. And then we take all of the rest of the money that is not going to cover um, the, the bills and the tithes. That stays in. And we go, this is the amount of money that we want to give to the outreach center. This is the amount of money that we want to put in our Roth IRAs so that we can build wealth and leave a legacy for our kids. This is the amount of money that we want to pay extra on our house. This is the amount of money that Christy gets to, to, for her allowance and to pay the, 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 the grocery bill. This is the amount of money that Josh gets for gas for the week and to go out to eat and to, you know, allowance and that kind of stuff. And so we do all of that before the month ever gets here. We always know where every single dollar, every single month is going to go before the month even gets here. Is that not insane? And you know what? We are never left asking the question, where did we blow our money? You know why we do that? Can I be honest with you? I don't want to be the third servant. I don't want to be one of those guys where God comes at the end and he goes, man, I sure blessed you a lot and you did not do just a whole lot with what I blessed you with. I want to be that guy that God goes, man, you did pretty good with that process. You kept this much and you saved this much and you left this much as a legacy to your kids. You were able to implement this much in giving and I want him to go, I gave you the bags of silver and because you were faithful with what I gave you, I dumped some more bags of silver your way. Amen? But if you don't tell your money where to go, you're going to wonder where it went. Now, how is this a biblical, scriptural thing? Let me give it to you. Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 5 says this. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts 
lead to poverty. Listen, building a budget together, let me go ahead and tell you, it is good planning and hard work. And when you have a nerd and a free spirit together trying to build a budget, you know what you get out of that? It's so beautiful. You get the nerd that comes up with a beautiful process. You get the free spirit that makes sure that we get to have some fun. Because if you just have the nerd, you're probably going to build some great wealth and never have fun. And if you just have the free spirit, then what's going to happen is you're never going to build any wealth. You're just going to have a lot of fun until you're out of money and then you're in trouble. Amen? Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Listen, I want to tell you too, if you've never built a budget, I'm actually a Ramsey coach. Um, if you've never built a budget and you want help, I have a whole note notebook that you can look at. Probably not going to give you my numbers, but I will give you how I do all of that. And I, I would love to allow you to go through Financial Peace University. It, it will change your life if you will put those principles in place in your life. Somebody say amen. amen. Okay, here we go. Number four. Y'all, this is huge. Don't ever hide money or spending from your spouse. You want to make it to where your spouse doesn't trust you? Go spend money and then don't tell them about it. You know what that does? Here's what it does. It makes them wonder what else they can't trust you with. And that's the God's honest truth. You want tension in your relationship? Go spend. One of the things that's the biggest issues in every marriage, which is money, go spend that and try to hide it. And then the numbers aren't adding up. So here's what you do. You budget for those things. You share with your spouse, I want to be able to buy this thing or get this thing. And then together y'all can go, okay, let's save up for this amount of months or let's do this or let's take this amount of your allowance and we'll go this way. And you can figure it out together. But if you are not open and you hide things, what happen is, is what's going to happen is there's always going to be tension in your marriage. And then lastly, number five, Teach money principles to your kids. I know we talked about kids last week. I gave you the five big principles at the very beginning, giving, tithing, um, investing for the future of your family, all of those pieces. Teach money principles to your kids. Let me go over with you real quickly my, our financial journey. So we'd never, we'd never even had a savings account until about three and a half years ago. Um, and I'm 35 now. So at 32 years old, we have four children. We have nothing invested for any kind of anything in our family. And um, my wife goes to the hospital and accumulates about $47,000 worth of bills that we have to pay for her at the hospital. And we, I am absolutely stressed, hardcore. We have about another 50000 in other types of debt, car note, truck note, all kind of stuff. So now this emergency, we didn't have any health insurance. So this emergency comes. Now we have upwards of 80, close to $90,000 worth of debt. I can't sleep at night. And uh, Ken invites us to come through or however it worked out that we started going to Financial Peace University and, and looking at the things. Um, honestly, I was absolutely overwhelmed because the month after we started, 
Financial Peace University was the month that my wife went into, uh, she, she um, uh, was in the hospital for about four days and wound up accumulating all these debts. So now I'm absolutely overwhelmed. And um, so uh, they, they begin to explain how we build, build a budget and how we do the things. And, and then, hey, y'all, look, the stimulus checks was a huge blessing for me. I'm not going to lie to you. I got four kids. Those checks were decent checks for us. And so you know what we did with every one of those checks? Boom, we paid off debt. Boom, we paid off debt. Boom, we paid off debt. We started saving money. Boom, we paid off, we paid off all of the medical bills. And then we paid off everything up to Christy's car. So in, in 27 months, listen, in 27 months, that's where we are right now, we got completely out of debt. I sleep so much better. We got health insurance. We got completely out of debt. We started being wise with our finances. We put together an emergency fund now where we have about $14,000 that just sits in our bank. And if something happens, like Christy jumping into, uh, going into the hospital, we can cover that. We put, that's baby steps one, two, and three. And then now we're investing in, in retirement for our family so that our family can have a nest egg. If we die, if something happens, it goes, and uh, then we have that for our family. In 27 months, our finance, we have got to where there's financial freedom in our lives. If you were to tell me that that's not that big of a deal, I will tell you, I know the mindset of being a slave. Because 27 months ago, I couldn't sleep very well. And I know the, the mindset of being free. Because now, if something happens, we're able to cover whatever happens. And so I'm telling you, and, and now we can do so much more, but we can bless people. We can do so much more with our money because our money is not tied up in all of these other things. Now, I said all of that to say 27 months, my kids have walked with us in this journey. Y'all like my little car? <laughs> my kids have made fun of my car during this journey. And my son's truck is way nicer than my car. It was cash. Got cash for the truck. I was, I was nice to him. I should make him drive my car for a little while because he makes fun of it. Listen, we, we, we sacrificed a lot, to be honest with you, to be able to be where we're at right now financially. It, it wasn't like, it's been a huge sacrifice for us to get here. There's lots of times we decided we're not going out to eat. We're not doing this. We're paying off debt. We're paying off debt. We're paying off debt. Now my kids, they've read books and we're, I, I pay them $50 every time they read one of the books that I tell them to read. You know why? Because it's changing their mindset with money. You know what my kids are not going to do? They're not going to get student loans. If they're going to go to college, they're going to pay cash for it or they're going to get scholarships. You know why? Because dad did not do smart things with money and I don't have money to pay for their college. So they're, they're, and they're not going to get, so we're doing all of these smart things with money. My teaching my kids these principles with money so that when they get of age and they get jobs and they start working, that they can steward God's money because it ain't our money, it's God's money. So they can steward God's money the way that they need to. Two things that I can say about my children. Number one, they are going to work. Because I, we don't even give them a dollar. They're going to work for every dollar that they get. It may be rubbing my feet, but they're going to work. <laughs> and number two, whether they choose to or not, they're going to know how to manage money. They're going to know how to be a good steward with their money. Why? Because it's important to me, especially with me not learning it until I was 32 years old. I wish that I would have learned that much sooner. Amen? Would you stand with me this morning? I want to invite our worship team to come up and get ready to lead us in worship. A couple of last things that I want you to know. 
if you have money stress right now in your marriage or in your life, I really want to encourage you to try going through Financial Peace University. It's all biblical principles straight out of the Word of God. How to steward your money in a way that will please God and make Him want to bless you. And secondly, if you need any kind of assistance, I would love to offer assistance to you, um, either through the class or through just sitting down and going over with you smart ways to do things and smart ways to invest and, and how to do those things. I'd love to help you in any way that I can. Um, amen. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Altar team, can you come up to the front? I hope that your initial response to this message is simply to be a better steward with what God's given you. And to get together in unison in your family on financial things. But for our altar call this morning, I really wanna open this up to several different things, especially when it comes to the marriage. If this morning, every head bowed and every eye closed, if this morning you are dealing with financial stress on your family, if there's any kind of tension in your marriage, if you're looking for God to give you wisdom on choices that you are needing to make right now, or if you're here this morning and maybe God's been speaking to you or challenging you, maybe you're wanting confirmation on what you feel like he's leading and guiding you with. In just a second, when we start singing this song, here's what I'm gonna ask. Would you make this a place of worship and prayer? Can we go one song where we unified together as a body, just love on the Lord, and if you need prayer, come get prayer. Or if you wanna come and hang out by yourself with God in his presence, in just a second, would you step out and come? Come on, right now. Would you lead us in this song?